0: This episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And so I want to give a special thank you to Stephanie Wheeler, who just signed up this week to support us on Patreon, and to Michael Horner, Mark Atkin, and Ekaterina Kosova, who all just made one-time contributions to the show via PayPal. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. Alright, so now let's get to our show. Wired.com presents The Geeks Guide to the galaxy and here is your host david barr kirtley hello and welcome to episode 427 of geek's guide to the galaxy today on the show we'll be discussing the animated movies the hobbit the lord of the rings the return of the king the sword and the stone the secret of nim and titan ae and this will involve spoilers for all of those movies so just be aware of that And this is a follow-up to our panel on animated 80s fantasy movies back in episode 413, so definitely check that out if you missed it. And I'm joined by three guests. So first up, we've got Andrea Kale, making her 16th appearance on the show. She's a graduate of the Odyssey Writers Workshop, and her short fiction appears in the Writers of the Future anthology, Fantasy Magazine, and Lightspeed. She's the former script supervisor for Late Night with Conan O'Brien, and is currently a staff writer at WWE's Friday Night Smackdown. So Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. The next up, we've got Matthew Kressel, making his 14th appearance on the show. He's the author of the novel King of Shards, and his short story The Last Novelist, or A Dead Lizard in the Yard, was nominated for the Nebula Award and was a finalist for the Yuchi Foster Memorial Award. His new novel Queen of Static is available now on his Patreon page over at patreon.com slash Matt Kressel. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Great to be back. And also joining us today is Tom Gerencer making his 13th appearance on the show. His short fiction appears in magazines such as Realms of Fantasy and in books such as New Voices and Science Fiction. His nonfiction book Think Like Google is out now, and his short story All Our Donkeys Were in Vain appears in the new anthology The Best of Galaxy's Edge 2015-2017. to 2017. So, Tom, welcome to the show. Great to be back. Okay, so as I mentioned in the intro there, this is a follow-up to episode 413. And it was very clear in that episode that people really wanted to talk about the Hobbit cartoon and the Secret of Nim cartoon. So I figured we could uh, come back and talk about those. And to round it out, we're also going to talk about some other related cartoons to those, too. Um, so in terms of the Secret of Nim, we're going to talk about Don Bluth, who sort of split off from Disney and started up his own studio. So we'll be talking about The Sword in the Stone, which was a, an early movie that he worked on as an assistant animator at Disney and also Titan AE, which was the last, uh, film that he did. But before that, I just want to start off with all these Tolkien cartoons. So, uh, so let's start off with Andrea. So mm-hmm. Andrea, this Hobbit cartoon was, came out in 1977, same year as Star Wars, same year <laughs> I was born. So, uh, so why should people in 2020 care about this Hobbit cartoon from 1977?
1: not that they should care they should certainly be interested in it and want to see it um, I, uh, I'm not quite sure what you mean by care um, it's beautiful animation uh, that's certainly something to really want to see it for um, and uh, I mean personally for me what it, it it was very meaningful for me in watching it I don't know that I've seen it since it aired um, and but I remembered it word for word I was Singing the songs along with it. I was, um, I was reciting the dialogue. I think that probably <laughs> has to do with the fact that I had, I, I went out and got the Hobbit album and I used to play it constantly. Uh, so yeah, it was uh, genuinely just w- talking along with the movie. I knew, I knew all the, the dialogue, the inflections even. Um, so it was really a trip back to my childhood with that. Um, but for somebody who didn't experience it that way. Um, I think it's just a beautiful piece of animation. It's got some actually good music in it. Uh, and it's actually quite a good interpretation of The Hobbit. Uh, so, certainly better than the P- than the Peter Jackson three hour, what, five hour uh, snorefest that well, was. No, it's uh, way
0: more than five hours because yeah, it's three what, movies and they're each like almost three hours long, I think.
1: Oh, so. God. Okay, so like 25 hours then. <laughs> Um, um, yeah,
0: but yeah, but we'll. I, I guess we'll probably get to that. But so, uh, but so, you you thought this held up watching it as an adult? Oh,
1: absolutely, absolutely. For me, I I don't know if that means. See, I I can't really tell you if it if it held up as a as a piece of animation or as a movie or as actually it was a TV um, show um, or if it's just because it hit me in the spot where I. It, it was so meaningful to me. This is what led me to The Hobbit and what led me eventually to Lord of the Rings. So it, it was personally meaningful to me. So that was why watching it was uh, an experience. I don't know what that's going to mean to anybody else.
0: No, <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting though. I didn't, I didn't realize that this is how you discovered Tolkien. And for people mm-hmm. who might not have heard you before, Tolkien is one of your favorite authors that you reread every year or multiple times a year oh, yeah. or something growing up. No,
1: Lord of the Rings was the book that made me want to be a writer. Um I and I can tell you exactly the moment. Uh it was I was uh 12 years old. I was in my parents' bedroom. I was reading um uh what's the first one? The first one. Uh, Fellowship. Of the Rings. Fellowship. So I'm reading Fellowship. It was the escape from Moria scene and I was just entranced and uh I got to the end of the chapter and came out of it. It was like coming out of a dream. And I was sweating and I was panting like I was running with them. And, uh, and I I said to myself, literally said in my head, I was like, I want to be able to do that. Uh, And that's how I decided to be a writer.
0: Mm. Yeah super cool. And so how about Matt? You told us a little bit in an earlier episode about your history with this Hobbit cartoon, but, but refresh our memory. What is your, what is your history? What
2: what did I say? I, maybe I incriminated myself. You told some story
0: about your, you know, throwing a temper tantrum because your dad Uh, wouldn't buy you the record or something.
1: Yeah. So, um, (laughs) I,
2: I mean, I'm, I'm sure I saw this. Uh, I, I believe I saw it on TV when I was really young, so young that I didn't have clear, very clear memories of it. And, um, I was, I believe it was in, I was in Washington DC with my parents and we went to some gift shop, which I I think was also a bookshop. I don't remember too well, but they had, they had like the Hobbit. Um, it was basically like the sing-along book with, with um, like a picture book, or like a, mm-hmm. an abbreviated story. Yep. And I freaked out. I wanted that so <laughs> bad. And my father's like, no, you have to read the actual book. You can't, oh, no. you can't, it's abbreviated. You can't. And he just was very adamant about like. No, that's not where you should start reading it. You should start reading it, you know, in, in literature. I'm like, you know, I, I don't remember how old I was. I was, I was pretty young, and and I, I flipped that. I, I think he eventually like relented. Um, I was, you know, I could be pretty persistent if I want something. And, <laughs> um, and I, I did listen to it like a lot, a lot, and and like it was, um, it was kind of tear jerking. Uh, rewatching this because I don't think I've. I think maybe 20 years ago I rewatched this like just for nostalgia but just w- watching it again now and the songs just just kind of brought me back to to my childhood it was it was yeah. wonderful
0: yep yep and so then how about tom uh what do you th- what's your history with this cartoon
3: yeah just like uh andrea and matt i um i was introduced to it through first of all through the book through the the book had these great animation panels taken right out of the movie, and uh, my mom, who was, you know, pretty staunchly uh, conservative in many ways, um, you know, kind of older generation, almost World War II generation, just barely missed being in World War II. She wound up being in the uh, Air Force during the Korean War, but she she brought home this Hobbit book, and she, like, as, as far, you know, as much as she was that kind of character that I just described, she also would just, like, Bring home these great books out of the blue and be like, here. And, uh, she wouldn't let us have TV in the summer, so we had, <laughs> she gave me that book in the, in the summer one time, and I was just like, what is this thing? It had these great animated, you know, animation, uh, frames to kind of pull me into the story. And I was very young. I think I was, I think I was fourth or fifth grade. And, uh, and I read the car, I read that book until not just the covers fell off, but until all the pages fell out, uh, one (laughs) by one. Cause it was like, it was literally like the binding was just, the threads were just coming out of the binding.
1: Yeah. And the cover fell off of mine. Just FYI.
3: (laughs) I guess that happened with it. such a big book, but, um, but you know, I never watched it again. That, that pulled me into token. And then a friend of mine later was like, oh yeah, if you like that book, you've got to read the, uh. You've got to read the Lord of the Rings, and I, I think I was almost—I think I was in sixth, sixth, or seventh grade by that point. But um, yeah, absolutely fell in love with it. Didn't see the cartoon until I was maybe—I think I, I was like thirteen or something—and then saw it and was like, "Oh, that's where the it, the illustrations!" I always wondered where those illustrations. What they—I knew it was from some TV show or some movie, but I never knew what it came from. And then watched that and absolutely loved the movie. I thought um, the characterizations I thought were really good. I love the art. I loved Gollum, Gollum, that Gollum voice to me to this day remains Mm
0: -hmm. like
3: what I think of whenever I read, you know, again, without watching Peter Jackson, (laughs) why did, why did he decide it had to be three movies nine hours long? I don't, it's (laughs) such a great, it's like, oh, this is such a great story. They pack so much into such a short time. And he's like, no, 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 no. (laughs) The mistake with this book is that it's way too short and has too much action. So, uh, so that's how, that's that's how that movie was for me. I still, a lot of the characterizations in there, Gandalf, I still kind of harken back to that whenever, you know how you get like brain sludge in your head, you get like a quote in your head and it just pops up in your mind at whatever time. I still hear Gandalf's voice that way. When I, when I think those great quotes, like, uh, well, I can't think of one off the
0: top of my head. Up. I was, <laughs> was going to say unforgettable quotes.
3: Well, no, I was going to say I was going to say the one. No, it is from it is from him. I was going to say the one where he's like, "Well, well, so do all who, you know, in such dark times, you know, wish that wish that this didn't happen to him." And I was I was thinking for a minute that that was from the. uh No, it was. I'm sorry. It was. It was from the different different voice. But anyway. Uh, I'll stop babbling now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me let me stop you there. So, um, I I watched this a bunch of times growing up, and I was a huge fan of The Hobbit. I mean, I've read The Hobbit, I believe, twenty or twenty five times. Um, and you know, if you listen to our was it our last one I was talking about, how I, I I had to force myself to read Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, so I, I like strange. I like Hobbit the Hobbit way more than than the Lord of the Rings. But so I can remember this cartoon actually being pretty scary. Like particular, I think I I had nightmares about the part where the um where they're camped in the cave outside the goblin halls and the cave Mm. wall opens and their ponies get like pulled into the darkness. Like stuff like that was really scary. And I, yeah, I I really love this movie. I love the character designs. I love those songs. Uh, you know, I love the dragon. Um, I love pretty much everything about it. Um, going back and watching it now, there are definitely some, some issues I had with it, but, um, but overall, I, I think it's terrific. And it's, I mean, I think as Tom is sort of saying, I think the, the best thing about it is that it's, I don't know, 90 minutes or something, you know, you, you get the mm-hmm. story of the Hobbit and it's not boring. You get the whole thing. Um, and, uh, it's just fun. It holds your attention. You don't get bored. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you, I don't know, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a very terrific uh, adaptation of, of the Hobbit. Yep. Um, but so this doesn't just become a total love fest. I will um, get into some of my my criticisms. And these are things I don't think I noticed even so much watching it as a kid. But watching it now, there are parts that they clearly cut stuff out that kind of needed to be in there for it to make sense. And so the the first thing that jumped out at me like that is where the part where the uh, dwarves have all been captured by the the three trolls. And what happens in the book is that Gandalf keeps the trolls squabbling all night about mm-hmm. how they're going to cook the dwarves, and they don't realize the sun is coming up. And I feel like something just got cut out. You know, like they had—they had, i feel like they had animated and everything, and then just for time, something got cut out because it just jumps to them getting turned to stone without yeah. any of that stuff happening. It just seems super weird to me. Well, Gandalf basically in this one he just comes in and makes the sun rise early. Yeah. Is that what was meant to have happened?
2: Yeah, he's like, "Oh wait, how did the sun? I, it's my understanding that he just made the sunrise early in this in this version." Yeah, that's what it seemed like.
1: I don't know if it. Wizard. Yeah, but well.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that was a a big. I had a lot of problems with it watching it as an adult that I I didn't expect because I loved it so much when I was younger and uh, when I saw it now I was just like, "Oh, I I think my brain like made that better than it was." Like a lot of these things that you've. Made us watch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Forced like, a gunpoint. Oh, Dave is just
3: systematically destroying my childhood. <laughs> but uh, but no, that that part in particular really bothered me because that was like it was like the opposite of where like say what you want about Peter Jackson when he read when he did the original Lord of the Rings movies he he did a really great job of taking things that didn't have strong story or character ties and made them more like when uh, Marion Pippin just kind of are like hanging out and along for the ride. And then they, and then treebeard's like, you know what, I'm going to go to war. But in, in the movie he makes in the book, that's how it happens in the movie. He's like, no, we're going to make them like convince him to go to war and, uh, you know, make them much more an integral part of the story. And whereas this, it was like, they did it the opposite way. Like they, there was a great story of Bilbo having to exert some kind of effort and be like, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, you know, talk to the, I think he, in the book, doesn't he notice like what Gandalf is doing and, and help keep the argument going? Or or am I just making that up?
0: I think you're just making that up.
3: All right. I'll stop. Again, I'll stop babbling.
0: <laughs> um, But, but yeah, so I, I, I guess it's going to be hard to talk about this without talking about Peter Jackson. So we might as well get oh, into boy. it. I mean, the thing that, and I hadn't, I had been so aghast at the first Hobbit movie. I hadn't watched the other two. But I just watched the, I just watched them in the last 24 hours just so I could talk about them on this panel. Oh,
1: I'm, I'm, I'm I'm surprised you're still like, I'm surprised (laughs) you're not in a coma.
0: I'm pretty close. But so, um, but I thought the one, one thing that it, I mean, there were a couple of things about it I liked, but I thought the one thing I thought that the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies did really well is they made the story make more sense in, in, you know, in the book, the dwarves are basically like, we're going to go kill this dragon. And it makes no sense. Like, how are they planning to do that? They have no plan at all. And, <laughs> um, so he made it so that the, 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 the it, Peter, in the Peter Jackson, uh, version, he made it so that the, the plan is basically to like sneak in, have Bilbo steal the Ark and Stone of Thrain, and then they're going to use that to unite all the dwarves. So that actually makes a lot more sense. So I thought that was a pretty good change. Um, and the thing that bothered me most about the cartoon rewatching it was that they got rid of the Ark and Stone of Thrain altogether. Which I think is actually the most important part of the story because that's where Bilbo, you know, he gives the Arkenstone to the men of Lake Town. And it's this great sort of active character moment where there's conflict and he's like turned against the dwarves and everything's all like amb- morally ambiguous. And you know, and I've always liked that. That's always been my favorite moment in the, uh, in the story. And so for them to have gotten rid of that and, and it turns into this like really kind of weird, like, hippie like anti-war message which seems kind of out of place to me um so well, i don't know
1: well uh, just to uh talk about that for a second yeah uh tolkien that was in the story because tolkien was a, a world war one veteran suffered great um uh, uh ptsd is what we call it now but it was like shell shock um and was i think probably came back and was very anti-war uh so probably that's where that comes from
0: No, there's no question. Well, yeah, so he was at the Battle of the Somme and all Mm -hmm. of his friends, you know, they had all agreed that they were all going to be famous writers and they all died because they were all from the same town. So no, there's no question that he was against, you know, senseless war and stuff. I just, I don't remember in The Hobbit, like just in the movie, and I I haven't read it in a long time, but in the movie, it seems like Bilbo's just like, oh, war is silly. I'm just going to like chill out while everybody else fights and um and i i don't remember that from the book i mean i remember it more like sometimes you know like you have to fight like you know war is never a good thing but some but there's there's such a thing as a just war a necessary war and the the thing that the message that came across to me in the cartoon was just like oh wars are so silly why would anyone ever bother with any of this silly stuff and it just it didn't seem the way i remember the story anyway um but um, I don't know matt do you have any any uh perspective on this
2: i definitely didn't come out of this with an anti war message i mean it was um I, I mean it could just be that they thought perhaps that it wouldn't go over so well with the parents accompanying the children to this. yeah, and it's like, well, let's just throw in the anti war message so we don't get accused of being you know pro violence or something. <laughs> Hmm. I, I don't know. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't come out of it with with any particular uh, pro or against
3: war. <laughs> was this 1978? This I movie have was
1: 77.
3: 77. 77. Because I was thinking maybe they just had it in there because the people who made the movie were coming out of the 60s, but it's pretty far removed from the 60s, so maybe not.
0: No, I don't. No, no. The, I I think that's exactly why it's in there with the whole well, you know, post Vietnam anti war mm-hmm, kind of yeah
3: and the also the the score the music is that uh that kind of I can't think of his name but it's kind of that folky folksy kind of folk music
0: yeah it's like Glenn, yeah. Glenn Yarborough is that the name yeah Glenn Yarborough
3: <laughs> and he has the kind of tremolo voice like mm-hmm. he's in one of those spinning
0: cabinet speakers or something
1: it is kind of super duper hippie.
0: yeah the yeah. music is super 70s yeah, you know, yeah super but
3: like. the but the whole the hobbit the whole like lord of the rings was like it was like a rallying cry for oh, that yeah. whole movement. Like, like well, Frodo Lives was written everywhere. Yeah. When I was a kid, you would see Frodo Lives written on walls. And I was, I was yeah. like, what does that mean? Well,
1: well, Led Zeppelin's Misty Mountain Hop. I mean. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. They There's direct quotes in there. Yeah. Yeah. There's a golem at the evil wall, crept up mm-hmm. and slipped away. He's like, in the darkest depths of Mortar, I met a girl so yep. far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I don't know. So leaving the anti-war stuff aside, what what do you people think about my Arkenstone of Thrain thing? Did that did that strike anyone else?
1: Uh well on I, I didn't remember it from the book. It's it's been quite a while since I read the book. Um okay. you know, and, and you're it's funny, you're looking at it with a critical eye, even though you loved it as a kid. I was I, I'm incapable of looking at it with a critical eye. It was just a, <laughs> a trip back to my childhood for me. So I, there's stuff. I mean, there were a couple of things. I made some notes about things that were like, "Wow, the dwarves are." Uh, the the Goofy Elf song was ridiculous. But other than that, it was just it was like I said, revisiting my childhood, and it's hard to be critical when you're doing that,
0: you know? Right. Well, why don't why don't we bring in the the Lord of the Rings cartoon here too? Okay. So because <laughs> is that something from your childhood? Of uh, the Rings cartoon.
1: I know. I saw it, um, and I also I also have that record, and it's a pressed record with with cells from the uh, animation pressed into the record. It's two records. I also had the poster, um, that the big poster. I had yeah, that framed it was in my room. Gandalf and
0: the sword and stuff. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Now,
0: so, are you? I don't are you Of being critical of the Lord of the Rings.
1: Oh hell no! <laughs> that was it. Was possibly it was torturous watching it. It was absolutely torturous. It was terrible, like super bad. Um, I don't remember watching it in the theater. I must have seen it. Um, but it was, yeah, it was, oh, good Lord. I wanted it to end.
0: Yeah. Well, I had never seen it because, you know, cause I was such a big fan of the Hobbit cartoon and I, I can remember being down at, at choice video, the, you know, the video rental store in Katona and, and seeing that there was Lord of the Rings cartoon And being really excited and taking it to my parents and being like, oh, I got to watch this. And they're like, no, don't watch it. It's terrible. And (laughs) I I was like, why? Like, I couldn't even imagine, like, how could it not be great? And and my dad's just like, oh, it's like the animation's weird. It's like rotoscoped. It's not good. And so all these years, I never saw it, and I always imagined it was like um, Fire and Ice that we watched, you know. Yeah. Which I don't love that style of animation. Nope. Um, but then watching this, I was like, "Holy shit! Like this makes Fire and Ice look like, you know, Botticelli <laughs> yeah. or something." Yeah. Like, yeah, sure does. <laughs> Like something went seriously, seriously, seriously yeah. wrong with this movie <laughs> just on a basic production level. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I want to get Matt in here. So, Matt, what are you? What are your sort of? initial well, thoughts on Lord I'm going
2: to be the contrarian. I, I oh, had fun right. with this. Um, <laughs> okay. I, wow. I, you know, like, yeah, like the animation style was completely rotoscoped and, and it was like one scene, you're it's totally animated. And the next scene, it's just, it's basically just black and white film that's been painted over, you know? <laughs> um, but there was something, I, I think it might just be my, my love of the of the Lord of the Rings story itself that was carrying me through, like just, the, the slow buildup of tension that just keeps getting larger and larger and the stakes keep going up and up and up um, that I actually like when it ended, I was like, Oh, I want to, you know, <laughs> I want to watch the end of this. Um, but as we know that the return of the King is not quite a sequel to this, right? No. Um, well, so
0: let's just explain in case anyone hasn't seen this. So this is, this covers basically up through the, um, the battle of Helm's deep. Uh, so more or less, you know, up through the Two Towers movie, right. the Peter Jackson. And then um Ralph Bakshi, the director, wanted to release it as Lord of the Rings Part One. And the studio was like, no, people won't go see it. So they just released it as the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> so people had no idea. <laughs> they just go to see it, expecting it's going to be the whole story. And it just ends, you know, basically halfway yeah. through the story.
1: Yeah, um, I, re- I have the very vivid memory of going, what the? <laughs> fuck probably not what the fuck but what the hell's going on yeah i think i was really i was probably young but yeah
2: i mean it was, it was super violent right so yes, well, I was like, as i'm watching this i'm like they're showing like people's guts spilling out yeah uh i mean the blood is like slightly yeah. not red so it looks a little fake but it's like this is pretty violent for for kids um and i was also kind of struck by some of the scenes i mean it could just be that i'm conflating them in my memory but i feel almost like peter jackson like stole a lot of shit from this like he he there there were scenes you know with with the um the battle of helms deep and um like even even just the scene where where you know at the beginning when when bilbo is like it's his 111th birthday and he's going away like that like and all the hobbits are hanging out i'm like it, that looks really really similar to like, there's a point during the the Battle of Helm's Deep. In fact, that I just thought it was like shot for shot looked like it was from the Peter Jackson movie, like with the, yeah. the well, ladders coming up to the wall and then they're getting pushed back. And I was like, yeah. that actually, yeah. I wonder. I wonder if you know Peter was looking at at that, watched it a few times, and. You know, maybe, maybe didn't uh, steal necessarily, but borrow. Well,
0: well, no, well, famously, he saw this as a kid, and that's why, right. or like as a, I don't know, how teenager or something. And, and, you yeah. know, that's what kind of made him interested in the first place in Lord, in Lord of the yeah. Rings. And, you know, yeah. watching it, I don't think there's any question that it, that his movie is sort of. It actually, from
1: this. I actually did read someplace that he was um, very influenced by the movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. There are even shots, I think, like when the guy says, um, Oh what's the line? At, yeah at the party when he's when he says Burr, foots and the guy says Burr, feet. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. the same exact shot basically but in the two. Yeah. Um so how about Tom? Proud you... feet. Proud feet. Oh, sorry. proud proud. That's right, yeah. <laughs> um so Tom, what did you think of um of, Lord of the rings?
3: Well, I was really glad that Matthew uh went first because I was thinking I'm going to have to be do I be honest and say that I liked <laughs> it or do I hide it because every because not only do you you guys most of you guys hate it but then I went through and read the comments on your Facebook page Dave and there were a lot of people in there like oh that should just be buried in a deep hole it's like the wor- <laughs> it is it is it is definitely not even possibly it's definitely the worst movie ever made <laughs> and uh and I was like I was like oh my gosh I'm going to have to like change my opinion or something because I I I didn't like it when I was a kid but, um, when I got, like, I didn't see it until I was 14. I saw it at a birthday, one of my birthday parties with a couple of friends. i like, my
1: birthday, my precious.
3: <laughs> but, um, I saw it there and I remember same thing, same experience. I was like, oh, this is kind of okay. The art's kind of weird. I didn't know what rotoscoping was, but I was like, that is kind of a bizarre way to have things look. And then it, the story just seemed kind of ponderous. And I was kind of like just talking to my friends and we weren't really paying attention and then it just ended and, and we all looked at each other and we're like what <laughs> what, what what just What's, happened? Did, yeah. Was it is it over? Like what does he mean like he saved all of Middle Earth? They didn't show that. Um but then when I watched it again older, you know, I I think the same thing. The distance made the heart grow less fa- less fond with the hobbit, <laughs> but more fond with this because I was going into it remembering like this is a piece of garbage. And then when I saw it I was like, you know, there's a lot about it, like the rotoscoping, where they're just like, okay, we don't have enough money to really do this scene up well. We'll just kind of put like a filter on it and make it look kind of like black and white or whatever, and make it look grainy or whatever. And then you can tell it's just like the orcs are just like people with like weird, yeah, not quite not quite masks on. <laughs> and then and then the but the part that I liked, there was a lot of story that I liked. I really liked the characterizations. I really liked the art. Which I didn't, ex- you know, it's totally different from The Hobbit, and it's totally different from Return of the King, which are similar to each other. But the art in this, I really liked. I thought, like, I I really liked how like every character, when you looked at them, they weren't um they weren't just doing like facial expressions. They were like doing a lot of hand gestures, and their facial expressions, like, I couldn't stop looking at them. I was like, the Hobbits, you know, Frodo or Merry and Pippin like did the way they were smiling or something or the way like not just that they were smiling but kind of the way they were smiling i was like that's really different it just looks really <laughs> intriguing to me
0: it didn't seem weird and like I, the characters like just the way they looked and their facial expressions didn't seem like super weird to you
3: yeah it seemed weird but it's 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 a completely made up reality it's like so to me, yeah, it was, it was off or it was weird, but it was weird in a good way to me that where I was like, Oh, that's really cool. Like, I like the look on his face right there kind of says something more about what's going on than what we see in the words. And, um, I don't know. I just liked it. I liked how Gandalf's hands were always moving. Like, he's never, <laughs> it, even when he was walking, his hands were just like flying all over the place. And I was yeah. like, I don't know. It must have been the actor who did that, the, the real live actor who did that. And then they rotoscoped over it. But it was neat to me. I, I, I found a lot to like about it. And, uh, yeah, that's that's just, I, and like I said, I feel bad because, but I was so glad that Matthew, that you were like, no, I'm going to have to be the lone dissenter. I was like, okay, good. That's, let, that's, a, let, that let, seal is broken.
0: Let me just draw, let me just draw attention to, so, um, apparently there's a part, I, I didn't, I'm not sure what it is, but apparently, um um ralph Bakshi was having uh like labor disputes with the extras and stuff and they were r- <laughs> r- refusing to work and so he just but they are all in there they're like orc costumes so he just filmed them like eating at the craft services table and then used <laughs> that in the film <laughs> and there's also there's a part where aragorn trips and falls on the ground and it's not part of the story the actor obviously just tripped and whoever was <laughs> made, <fan> made that. <laughs> so so yeah um, I don't know. It's it's weird. Actually, well, why don't we explain, too, about this since you mentioned it, this Return of the King cartoon. Oh. So, um.
1: Can so I just Ryan... point out a couple of things, sorry, about Lord of the Rings that, uh, when I looked into it? Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. first of all, Anthony Daniels is Legoless. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Peter S. Beagle wrote the screenplay. Mm hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, and one last thing. Unfortunately for Glorfindel, he was erased from this. Uh, version as well so <laughs> yeah. shout out to poor Glorfindel you deserve better hashtag yeah. you deserve better
0: yeah and actually that was maybe the only part of this that I, I liked that I, I'm trying to think if there was anything else but the part where Frodo says you shall have neither the ring nor me yeah and it's like oh this is kind of rousing but it comes after that weird like psychedelic there's like 10 yeah. minutes of like him riding a horse through like yeah. some, <laughs> like LSD wasteland for no kind yeah. Of reason <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: um but yeah let me explain quickly we can come back to lord of the rings but just explain quickly so yeah so the lord of the rings ends basically with the um the battle of helms deep and then Rankin bass who did the hobbit cartoon they came came in with this um cartoon that called the return of the king which basically covers that book and it sort of has you know sort of catches you up on the story a little bit from the hobbit and everything um and uh i thought it was not Anywhere near as good as the Hobbit, but it's it's the same all the same character designs and everything. Yeah,
1: um, and the same ca- the same voice actors as well.
0: Yeah, well, there's Casey Kasem.
1: Oh God, yes, he's, Casey he's Kasem is Mario. Mary. Oh,
2: yeah, I, all I kept thinking of is like, is he going to just break into the top forty?
1: Yep, exactly. <laughs> America's <laughs> yeah, top his, forty. He should, He was also, if anybody remembers. Um, a uh, battle of the planets. He was also yeah. the voice yeah. of the leader. I can't remember his name, um, but his voice is so distinct that it's hard to like ever divorce him from from that. Uh, right. So yeah, that's I, I don't know why he was in it. It was so weird.
0: Um, yeah, but so uh, uh, so Matt, what did you think of Return of the King?
2: Um, like I I enjoyed. The animation style of this, so that that part was compelling, but I found, like, a lot of this just interminable, mm-hmm. so it's, it like, especially when they break into song, I'm like, oh, God, it's, like, I'm back in synagogue, and they're just doing another 15-minute <laughs> prayer, and I just, I can't wait till this ends, like, they have to recite this, like, again... And I wanted to fast-forward it, but I'm like, I'm going to be on a podcast, so I might as well actually, actually,
0: though, someone on our Facebook page said that the Where There's a Whip, There's a Way song is one of his favorite songs from a movie. Yes, that's my friend
2: Chris. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. Oh, all right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, actually, that that one that song was okay. But, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mostly I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't find it as compelling as as either of the previous two two movies um yeah, yeah. i mean no, and and like I feel like they they turned some of like the the orcs into like the orcs were kind of always buffoonish, even though they were evil, but like I feel like they almost made them like not scary in this mm-hmm. like they're they're just like.
3: They're stupid.
2: You
0: know, they're like, well, that they think that Frodo and Sam are are orcs, even though they're like, just wearing like a helmet and like, they don't look anything, you know, they're caught, they're not disguised well at all. Um, yeah, I'll just say that I think the only thing in this that I like, well, I, I guess in both of, in all these cartoons, I guess some of the, a lot of the dialogue is much closer to the books than the Peter Mm -hmm. Jackson versions. Um, and I think that, Generally I prefer the Peter Jackson like picking up the pace kind of thing. But yeah. sometimes there sometimes some of these are like, oh, I kind of like this. So the scene where Eowyn confronts the um the Witch King of Angmar. Yeah. Uh this is the dialogue from this cartoon. Uh she says, Be gone, foul Dwimmerlake, Lord of Carrion, leave the dead in peace. And he says, Come not between a Nazgul and his prey, or he will slay thee in turn. And she says, Do what you will I will hinder it if I may. And he says, hinder me, thou fool. Dost thou not know the prophecy? No living man may hinder me. And mm. she says, uh, but no living man am I. You look upon a woman. Aeowyn am I. You stand between me and my lord and kin. Be gone for living or dark undead. I will smite you if you touch him. And I think that's pretty fucking cool. And so that in, was
2: cool scene. That actually that scene was it, that scene always gives me the chills.
0: And so yeah. in, in the uh, return of the king that the Peter Jackson that gets condensed down to, I will kill you if you touch him. And then I am no man. Right. And I think both versions are good, but I think it's, that was the one, that was one of the few parts of this where I was like, I'm glad that this interpretation exists because it, you know, is different from and adds something to the, the Peter Jackson version.
1: And and isn't that the actual uh, dialogue from the book? I remember dwimmer like cuz I think I had to look it
0: up. <laughs> I didn't check I mean I don't I mean I'm sure it's Yeah. I think I'm it sure it's 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 either exactly the same or or maybe yeah. cut down a little bit. I didn't yeah. I didn't go back and check, but
2: And the Theodore who played Aragorn, he did the voice of Aragorn. He's a he was a famous uh stage actor. He did uh Fiddler on the Roof. He was Tevye for for a while and he was like in, in a lot of um theater and films, and, and I was I was just surprised that
3: he was Aragorn. Which, which movie it. are you talking about with that, though?
1: Return of with the King?
3: Ar- You're talking about Return of the King? I thought that was John Hurt. Wait a minute. No. Am
2: I wrong about this? I thought Theodore No, I'm, I'm was... probably wrong. <laughs>
1: Hold on. I still have the page. I saw yeah,
2: Theodore, Theodore Beekle was Aragorn in, in uh, Return of the King.
1: Yeah. Well, who
2: did
3: John Hurt play? Because he was in there, and I could have sworn that was his voice.
1: I think he was in the the... Lord of the Rings. Not was he in
0: the ba- Yeah, was uh, he in the backsheet uh, one?
1: Yeah, he okay, was in the backsheet okay. one. Okay, I think partner. he might have been Gollum.
0: No, because Gollum... yeah, John
2: John Hurt was Aragorn in Aragorn. Okay, in Lord, Lord of, of the, the Rings. Rings, 1978.
0: Yeah, Gollum was actually it was. The, I recognized the voice immediately. It was the same guy who played Rook in The Last Unicorn. Um, Mommy Fortune, the witch's assistant who gets killed. Um and i don't remember the actor's name but it's it's definitely oh it's no i didn't i don't have it but it's not it's definitely not john hurt it's somebody else yeah i
3: i can i just say real quick i, I agree 100% about the music i with with apologies to the people on your facebook page who said it was awesome <laughs> um i i thought the uh i thought that the story it started out where it was just all this narration and yeah. music by like the... i agree by like the Mormon Tabernacle Elves or whatever they were. It was, it was really painful to listen to. And then, and it, you know, I did, I did get a chuckle out of the, where there's a whip, there's a way. I was like, that's clever that they made that up and added it and it really fits. It's kind of cool. But, um, but the rest of it, it was just like, okay, there's all this narration. And then you're like, okay, finally the narration is over. And then they're like, okay, now there's a big long song. And I, I <laughs> And then there's more narration after that. So I was just like, this is just doesn't make any sense. And then the dialogue was so few and far between. It really bothered me. And I had never seen this one by the way, even as a kid, I never never watched it. But then it was funny, like, as it went along, it was like the opposite of most movies that start out where they're putting a lot of effort in and then it just falls apart. This movie like started to come together near the end where the like you said, that one scene with Eowyn uh yeah. you know, fighting fighting the, the Ring Wraith, the King of the Ring Race, was was really cool. But there was a lot of stuff that just the it's like the narration and there was more dialogue and then the narration and the dialogue and the music just started to kind of fall into this cadence where they like worked with each other near like the second half or, or more of the movie. Where by the end I was like, Wow, I would if if I would have just stumbled across this on my own, I would have been like, Alright, never mind, I'm gonna stop this. But I was glad I watched to the end because it, it got better and better to me. It started out awful to me. And then toward the end, it got, like, good. Like, the way it all worked really worked out for me.
0: Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, Any other thoughts? Just anyone have any other thoughts about any of these three cartoons?
1: I I do. So Return of the King. uh, I don't remember watching it, but I clearly must have. Because the minute the guy started singing Frodo of the Nine Fingers and the Ring of Doom, I was like, oh, my God, that's where that from. I have had this piece of music circling my brain for <laughs> 40 years, clearly, because I, I didn't even know where it was from. But there it was. I, I And I'm not joking. Every time, every once in a while, probably usually when I'm watching a, a, one of the Peter Jackson Lord of the, the Ring Rings movies, that would come out. It's, it's in my head. I can't, it's an earworm for 40 years. How do you carry an earworm for 40 years? But yeah, right. That, that was just like, Oh my God. So I must've seen it. I don't remember seeing it. I, and I also remember the song about the whips. Um, And I think the problem with this, uh, with this movie is the Hobbit movie is actually, they're telling you the story. And the only voiceovers you get is Gandalf at the beginning and then the part where, um, Bilbo is, is pretty much like writing the book. Uh, so you get that, like as a journal. This is all voiceover, all backstory. Um, and it doesn't work as a narrative, which is a real shame because it's, it's such a, it's a great story. Um, but, and I, it's so weird that I don't remember watching it, but clearly I did. Uh, and I also want to ask, why the hell does the Nazgul King has such a goofy voice? Did anybody else yeah. just yeah.
0: go like, he what? sounds like Skeletor?
1: Yeah, really, <laughs> Yes.
3: <laughs> high pitched you know, I, I didn't, I didn't look him up, but that voice actor was definitely like a Hanna Barbera. <laughs> he, he, he would, he would always like show up in everything, like in Scooby Doo <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah, he's got a contract; he has to be in everything.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> um. But yes. Yeah, so, but I. So I, I feel like I, I want to mention you know, contrast the Peter Jackson Hobbit movies since I spent 10 hours watching them yesterday. Oh, God. Um, cause I feel like, um, this Hobbit is way closer to the right length,
1: mm-hmm. but still
0: too short. I feel like maybe to do the Hobbit, you need like maybe two 90 minute movies or something like that would be ideal. Oh. Um, because they had to cut out, you know, they cut out the part where the dwarves like stumble off the trail looking for, you know, Uh, pursuing the firelight to beg for food and so that whole thing didn't really make sense um and there were a couple yeah there were a couple other like key things that they that they had to cut out of this cartoon which uh, i definitely miss because the hobbit is a really like you know well-paced self-contained story Mm -hmm. um the only thing here I thought you like, I like this part with the spiders, but I felt like it doesn't really do a lot narratively. And if they had, I would have much rather they cut out the part with the spiders and put in the Arkenstone of Thrain, um, than vice versa. Um, but, um, but yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever going to do another Hobbit cartoon, but, um, oh yeah. I liked
3: Peter, Peter Jackson's, uh, edition of how he wove in, I didn't like that he made it three movies, but, but I liked that he wove in the, um, the story of Radagast the Brown and, and how, and, and how he wove in the story of like, well, this is what's going, this is what Gandalf was actually up to. And he, he took that all out of the, uh, Silmarillion, right? All the stuff that Gandalf was up to when he was, uh, or maybe he took it from bits of Lord of the Rings. I think it's
1: something? from Lord of the Rings. I, I, re- it's a, it's a passing thing he talks about. Um. Yeah 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 that's
3: it, right yeah. that's right he's like oh back when we had to chase the necromancer out of mirkwood yes and that's yeah. i thought that was really cool i was like wow this is so cool that you know like when you're a kid you're like oh i don't know gandalf just keeps vanishing like where is he going he's like oh i have business to attend to and i was like well that makes sense he's a big important wizard he can't just be hanging around with these dwarves all the time he's got other stuff going on but it's real- i thought it was really cool how jackson added that but then yeah i agree i think i think you're right i think maybe i was I've always thought in the past that one movie would have been better, but I think maybe you're right because there's so many cool elements that maybe maybe two two ninety minute movies would have been better than three three hour movies
0: actually, I'll also say the the smog um just visually it was amazing um, oh yeah in the Peter Jackson version oh yeah,
1: absolutely mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. um all right, cool any uh Matt, any other thoughts on any of these tolkien cartoons?
1: no <laughs> oh, oh, oh actually, one thing start... sorry in in return of the king on the title page the word production is misspelled just
0: get that out there <laughs> well yeah actually i wanted At least to read I this the word
3: proofreading <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> i wanted to read this in terms of like length of movies um, uh, director this is director arthur rankin so this is the return of the king cartoon uh, asked why he chose only to make The Return of the King instead of making the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, Rankin admitted, I didn't know that the audience would sit still for it. I was wrong.
2: <laughs>
3: huh.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it also Although, depends on the director, right? Because yeah. the, Hobbit, the Hobbit, like, that was pretty slow, right? The, the Peter Jackson version. Okay. Um, whereas The Lord of the Rings was incredibly engaging, and I, I think that just comes down to, you know,
1: Direction. Well, Peter Jackson is is notorious. He he just doesn't cut his scenes. He he shoots them all. He writes them long. He shoots them long, and then doesn't edit. That's well, Dave. His
2: did problem. you did you watch the uh, the unedited version, or did you watch like like did you watch the extended versions of? of?
0: Uh, I just watched. I just typed the titles into Amazon and rented them. Okay, and that's okay. what came. I assume I'm, it wasn't the extended. I. I'm, I'm uh, it, sorry. It didn't there's even, your- there's like, extended
2: oh, no. versions? Oh no, I'm thinking of Lord of the Rings. I'm thinking of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But I would imagine that there's probably some kind of uncut, like, oh. 18 hour. Comic. <laughs> God. <laughs> Holy <laughs>
3: shit. No, with extra walking. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know what really bothers me about the Peter Jackson version and about these cartoons is they cut two. They both cut two of my favorite favorite scenes from the books, which I think are kind of story necessary. Uh, maybe the second one more so than the first, but the first one is the part where Gandalf, uh, goes to Orthanc in Isengard and, and after they destroy Isengard and he talks to Saruman and is like, you gotta come down. And he's, and Saruman's like, I'm not coming down. And they have this argument and Saruman, because po- most of his magic is to do with his mouth, puts this like politician style spell on everybody listening and they all look at Gandalf and they see him as this like, you know, unworthy, like, not worthy to, like, tie Saruman's shoes. Like, oh, of course, now, you know, Gandalf's going to go up in the tower and they're going to talk and we'll they'll tell us what's going to happen to us next. And then Gandalf, like, it doesn't work and he breaks the spell and breaks Saruman's staff and then Saruman after that becomes, like, this nobody. And I love that. It's one of my favorite scenes in the books and it was gone from the Peter Jackson movies and it was not in these cartoons. And maybe that's not so story necessary, but the one that I think is... Even more important is the scouring of the Shire at the end of the three Mm -hmm. books, where, you know, this is where now we see that Merry and Pippin and Frodo, having started out as these, like, no-name hobbits, these, like, just goofy little guys, are now, like, these impressive warriors, and they come back and set their town to rights. And I love that that scene. Oh, even just talking about it right now gives me the chills, but it wasn't in Peter Jackson. Instead of that, we got nine minutes. I think I timed it once. Maybe it's not nine minutes, but... It's a it's a incredibly long scene of Merry and Pippin and Frodo jumping up and down in slow motion <laughs> at Rivendell, which I was like, well, I remember when I first watched the movie, I was like, when's this going to end? Because he's he's using up time that he could spend on scouring yeah. of the Shire, and then it ended and it was over, and I was like, yeah. you got to be kidding me! I got to watch that slow motion jumping up and down, awkward. <laughs> yeah. That's super awkward. Like, yeah, yeah Well, this yeah. Is you didn't. You didn't hear, Tom? There's going to be
2: a three part trilogy of the scouring of the shadows.
3: <laughs> well, that, yeah. now it makes sense. Now it all makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. It, I'm surprised it's only three parts, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but no. And I and I I was like, oh, well, it'll be in the cartoon. I'll I'll, I'll get it in the cartoon. And nope, it wasn't yeah. in the cartoon either. Which evidently yeah. everybody and his brother yeah. is like, no, this is. You know, this is like just not a necessary part of the story. See, I, it really was.
1: I agree with you. I, I was really missed that. I thought I was calling it the Battle of the Shire, but is it Scouring Battle? Yeah, but the 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 title
0: of the chapter, I think, is The Scouring of the Shire. Um,
1: but yeah, I was missing that a lot. And the other, one of my favorite scenes is, um, when uh Aragorn brings the army of the dead. I was waiting for that and waiting for that and it didn't happen. I was so fucking pissed. <laughs> I was really yeah. pissed. Um yeah. Well,
0: isn't isn't Amazon doing like a whole Lord of the Rings TV series that's like a billion dollars ah, or something? That's right. That's is right. It they are. So Is the it books we go. or
1: yeah. is it a sequel or what is it? Like The Silmarillion or
0: something or I it thought
3: it actually? was supposed no, it's, to be it's said. Lord but of the Rings. Oh I my thought God. It,
0: I heard at one point it was set like before Lord of the Rings, but I'm not even sure. I haven't read anything about it in a long time.
1: it, that would be it the Frodo.
3: It does. It has Frodo because they were like, I, just, I haven't heard anything about it except I saw a headline of an article that was like, Frodo, so-and-so cast as Frodo for Amazon's Lord of the Rings series. Frodo, oh, the high really? school years. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: It's the 50 it's Frodo, years between junior when Bilbo left. Frodo, and, homecoming. He- Oh right. my god! But, That's but, a I mean, bad I, idea. I don't know
0: when it when this start. You know, like when in the chronology it starts. But presumably, if it's popular, they would like keep going. So yeah, you might get your whole like season of the Scouring of the Shire or something. Who even oh knows? my god! Um. All right, but we we got to move on to some of these other movies. So uh, yeah, so so I had you guys forced you guys to watch. You <laughs> might say these three movies um, that Don Booth was involved with. Yeah. Um, and so the first thing was The Sword and the Stone. And he was just an assistant animator on this, but I thought it was relevant to fantasy and science fiction fans. So I thought we would watch it. Um, so um, and I remembered this being a little dull when I watched it as a kid. <laughs> but watching it now, I actually it, it, it's funny because, you know, like adults would always be like when I was a kid, they would be like, you got to watch this movie. And then I'd watch it. and I'd be like, oh, this is kind of boring. But now I watched it and I'm like, this is so funny. There's like all these dad jokes in it. And now I just want to like force some kid to watch it. So, you know, it's just like the circle of life or something. <laughs> but
2: um I,
3: I forced my son to watch both my sons to watch it. So uh maybe so yes. uh, uh, through my
0: CPS on you. <laughs> how did that go? How did that go, Tom? Did they like it? They loved it. They sat all right, completely cool. still.
3: I, I think though we were in the middle of a of a Two weeks of no TV, so I think that probably. Oh yeah. It. It's like you, yeah, You haven't eaten. You watch anything at that gives point? Gives you a hot dog, and you're like, "This is the best hot dog I've ever had." In LA <laughs> it's not even meat. Right.
0: <laughs> so I, I don't know. So this is basically it's you know young King Arthur, and he meets Merlin, and Merlin transforms him into different animals to teach him lessons, and I, I thought it was pretty hilarious. Uh, I think the ending really, like, you're like, wait, that's the end. Yeah. You know, it doesn't, like, really, really build anything that dramatic. But, uh, overall, I thought it was pretty enjoyable. But, Andrea, it sounds like you, you hated it or?
1: Uh, um, so my last note as I was watching it was, oh, so fucking boring. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was torturous for me. And, and, you know, when I was, it, it's, shouldn't be, I don't remember seeing it. I don't think I ever saw it, which is weird because I had, like, a pile of Disney albums when I was a kid, like every single Disney album. Including uh Song of the South, which is about as racist as you can get.
0: Wait, you, you never where the part where he pulls the sword out of the stone, you'd never saw that before? Nope. Never saw it. Wow.
1: Never saw it. I think I've seen like adam you know, like sales of it, but I've never seen the whole thing. I was so bored, it was it was just that you know, what here here are my notes. The singing, dot dot dot. Jesus. Um yeah the uh the oh the dear K is about to shoot looks exactly like Bambi's mother. <laughs> um, and then I was so bored, I started, uh, deconstructing it going, okay, glasses would not, you know, like eyeglasses not invented at this point, uh, in what this would would be no globes, a tea set umbrellas. None of this is real. That's how bored I was, was I, when I was starting to deconstruct it. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah, this is the one is I was it, very it, resentful of you.
0: It's Merlin though, who has all that stuff, right? Does anyone yeah. else have glasses or?
1: Uh, I have no idea.
0: Because Merlin remembers the future, right? Or well, he goes. No, he travels he through he time.
1: Backwards. He lives backwards. Yeah, he lives backwards. That, that's never. Um, that's never explained, though. It's just he can. Act, it seems like he can go through time because he comes back from yeah. Bermuda or Yeah, Bahamas
3: he does. Or, he goes. He said. Not only does he come back from Bermuda, but he comes back from Bermuda in. In the, yes. Twentieth century. In,
1: yeah, mid-century. Uh, he has. Elsewhere. He has like
3: sunglasses and like <laughs> yeah a, a bathing suit. Yeah,
1: Hawaiian shirt. Yeah, which was which was.
3: Very similar to Aladdin, uh it reminded me of the end of Aladdin, mm-hmm. where the genie shows up with uh with wearing like a goofy hat from Disney World, yeah, and Bermuda shorts. And- but
1: but Aladdin Aladdin is good storytelling. This was not good storytelling. It was just like mm-hmm. a. It was it was all about education. If you if you notice the notes and oh, they things said yes. over and over again again, this is your education. It's about an education. You should get an education. So it was like this naked. It was this passion play for kids you would need to you need to educate yourself kids so it wasn't like really a story uh it was it was uh brainwashing frankly
3: (laughs) well they they goofed they goofed up big time at the end because this was one of my favorite books when i was a kid i absolutely adored this book and i didn't read it till the covers fell off but i read it a lot (laughs) and uh and i loved like the ending was like this massive epiphany for me where every one of these little scenes in the movie where we get to see him turn into a fish and a bird and a squirrel. And, uh you know, it, there's lots of other things, I think, in the book that I don't remember. But at the end, when he goes to pull the sword out of the stone, I was like... Because I don't think I had seen this either, Andrea, or if I had, I didn't really remember it. But when I saw it, I was like, okay, here comes my favorite scene. And I was watching it with my kids, and I was like, this is the big one. You know, this is when he goes to pull the sword out. And all he does is reach out and pull it out. And i was like, <laughs> whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Because in the book... The book is all about education as well, but this scene shows you why, because the the movie doesn't have anything to do with education, apparently, and the book doesn't either until you get to the end, and then when he tries to pull the sword out in the book, he can't pull it out, and then there's a fish in the, there's a little pond around the bottom of the anvil, and a fish pops up out of the pond and goes, put your back into it, lad, remember when you were a fish, and you had a, a strong backbone, and then... You know, the eagle or the or the, a hawk like in the courtyard says something else to him. And every animal that he's been comes in with a piece of advice for him about how to pull this sword out of the stone. And it all comes together and he pulls it. And you're like, oh, the education, all this stuff he thought was just fun. He was learning. Whereas in the movie, it's just like he just reaches out and pulls it out. And I'm like, how mm-hmm. is that movie then about education? It's not.
0: Yeah, yeah, well that sounds so much better. <laughs> oh my god. We are, we are um, talking
1: about the Once and Future King, right?
3: Uh I was talking about the sword in the st- I think it was called I thought the book was called The Sword in the Stone. Am I am I just The TH White book? Yeah, is that called the Once and Future
1: King? Once and Future King, yeah. I'm looking at it I right now.
3: My, I think my copy of it was called The Sword in the Stone, but maybe I'm hmm. wrong. I think my copy of it actually they changed the title to The Sword and the Stone. I did not hmm. realize there was a book called Once and Future King. But, uh, I think my book, the book that I read probably came out after the movie. Well, must have come out after the movie, right? Because the movie was made in the sixties. Yeah. But, uh, which is, which is amazing. Like, I loved the animation in this. I was like, it's great animation. I love the voice characterization. I, I actually really liked this movie. I just had a, I think part of it was because I was mapping too much of the book that I love onto the movie without it having to show up in the movie. And part of it was the animation and part of it was the character the characterization and the voices, but I really was bothered by the fact that it would have taken them an extra 10 seconds of dialogue or maybe 30 seconds of dialogue to make the story resonate. And they yeah. just didn't do that end scene properly.
0: I want to get mad in here. Matt. what you think of sword in the stone?
2: Um, I, I think my take is closest to, to Andrea's. I, I feel like this is the first act of a, of a three act story. It was just like, you know, here's your training. Mm-hmm. And then now you go off and do something, and then when he goes off and pulls the sword out, that that's it. And like there was no one of the things I wrote down was there was no real sacrifice for pulling the sword out. And and I I think that you know Thomas, as you said, like if we had learned that, you know, if we had been reminded that all the things that he learned along the way helped him do that, it would have it would have brought it all together. But to to me, it just seemed like you know Disney was having a lot of fun with their animation, but they really didn't think about the story too much yeah it it, it was not interesting at all to me these little like okay now you're going to be a fish now you're going to be a bird now you're going to be a squirrel oh now you have to learn how to court a squirrel oh (laughs) and then break her heart that was but uh... that was
0: legitimately heartbreaking when that little squirrels up on the branch like that was that that was really sad yeah
2: that was it was heartbreaking and and you know it just goes to show that that they didn't really didn't think about characterization too much in this. If, if, you know, your most interesting character is a squirrel that never talks.
0: <laughs> it was funny though, because, um, well, let me say, I, I watched this, um, with my girlfriend Stephanie and at the end she's like, she's like, yeah, the ending, I feel like it would have been better if it had gone at least somewhat into like his actual like life as King Arthur, if you would like see yeah. him as an adult somehow. Yeah. Yes. And I'm like, but that makes you think like kind of weird thoughts. You, I just imagine Merlin <laughs> being like, so wart, here's what's going to happen to you your best friend's going to have sex with your wife, you're going to have sex with (laughs) your half-sister, and then your bastard son is going to come back and kill you. And he's like, like, gosh, Archimedes, what's sex? (laughs) You know, it's like... (laughs) Talk to Merlin about
3: that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And I I think when the movie came out, the Arthurian legends had already been done to death, and I think it was more like, oh... We're going to show you, like, the part that you've never seen, the part when he was a kid, which I think was, you know, even with me, the Arthurian legends, there were all kinds of movies about it when I was a kid that were just on all the time, so you'd seen him to death. And it, to me, it was really cool, not to, not, because I didn't, I don't think I saw the movie, but it was really cool to find this book that's like, oh, it's King Arthur when he's just a little kid like me, this is so cool.
0: Yeah, well, I, I, let yeah. me say the other thing I liked about this is that I genuinely liked Wart as a character because he's just like he's a good, good-hearted kid, and we'll get to this in a second. But so many of these main characters in these cartoons are just awful, insufferable brats. <laughs> just to have a uh, like a a main character that I liked was, you know, it got it got a lot of points for me just just for that simple thing. Um, but Matt, was there anything else you wanted to say there?
2: Um No. <laughs> Not that I could think of.
0: Alright, cool. So um let's move on to our uh our reason for this whole panel. The Secret of Nim, nineteen eighty two. So um so Andrew, you were the one I think who really wanted to talk about, Secret of Nim, right? you want to talk about what is kind of your, your history with Secret of Nim?
1: Um I don't remember was I? Okay. <laughs> um but yes, I do love I've got the got it movie. on tape. Oh, oh boy. Well, there you go. <laughs> um I must have been drunk. Uh <laughs> uh yes, I did love the movie. I remember very vividly watching it. Um and the movie is what led me to the book, not the other way around. Um I remember it 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 was exactly the way I remembered it, which was it's great to watch it's got some great animation, it's got great voice characterization, but it's very one-dimensional in the story department. Um, and a lot of stuff doesn't make any damn sense mm-hmm. until you read the book, and then you're like, "Oh, okay, because they they um shoehorned all this magic into it for I don't know why, um and none of you know like where's this the the stone the the, the necklace? like, what the hell is that thing? It's never explained. Nicodemus, you never get to know him as a character. So when he dies, it doesn't, it's meaningless. Um, You know, they, and the book is so rich in story. And it's basically the book is a science fiction book. This was like a fantasy uh, movie. Um, But it's still like, even all of that, even knowing going into it, it was going to make no sense. It's still a beautiful film um, that I, I remember fondly. Uh, And also Shannon Doherty is Teresa and Will Wheaton is the voice of the the son. So just get that out there.
0: Yeah, Mm. I I remembered loving this and I I read the I mean, I remembered primarily loving the book, although I I remembered liking the movie as well. And I was pretty let down, to be honest, um, watching this on the second Um,
1: rate on the second watch.
0: Well, just watching it for this panel. Mm -hmm. You know, I hadn't seen it since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, um, I think the, the premise is great. So the premise basically is that there are these rats and they were, um, the subject of lab experiments that boosted their intelligence and then they escaped and then they've built this whole, like, electrified underground, um, burrow or whatever. And, um, and, and, but then the people who boosted their intelligence are, are still looking for them and, and they're kind of on the run. I think that's such a great premise.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And,
0: um, and, I, I guess I'll I'll get some other people in here, but I, I have more to say about it. But um Tom, what did you what are your sort of overall impressions of The Secret of Nim?
3: I had never seen it before and I don't know how I missed it and the book my whole life until now. But and I still have not read the book, but I'm definitely gonna get the book and read it to my kids. I didn't realize that they that they just left a lot of stuff uh well, makes sense, but I didn't realize that they just kind of whole cloth left a lot of the most important elements out of the movie. But I, I, having never seen it before, I thought the movie was enjoyable. I thought it was a really cool premise that so many times you got these Disney movies where they have these, uh, characters who are animals and they're just talking and you're like, yeah, of course, there's talking animals in the Disney thing. But in this, it
0: was, uh, it was like, no, there's a reason they're talking. Mm-hmm. Well, but, thought, but that's super confusing in the mm-hmm. movie because it seems like, all the animals wear clothes and talk yeah. yeah, regardless of whether they've had their intelligence boosted or not. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. it also, like, so I'm watching, again, I'm watching this with my girlfriend who hasn't, I don't think she'd seen it before, and she was super confused. And I was like, oh, well, no, <laughs> these rats escaped from this lab and they had their intelligence boosted and stuff. And you, you would never know that. You're like That doesn't get explained yeah. until almost the end of the Ends movie. End of the movie, yeah. And it's like, what's the point of having a cool premise if, you know, you watch most of the movie without knowing what it is? And then I feel like 100% this movie should have started off with the rats escaping from the lab yeah. mm-hmm. and then we jump ahead. Cause yeah. like without that, it doesn't make any sense at all. Mm-hmm. But I'm still confused, even knowing that, I'm still confused about how like the anti hedgehog or whatever she was, anti hedgehog, shrew, shrew, like how sh- why she had clothes and everything. Like I- I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm totally yeah. baffled about that, um, Matt. What do you think?
2: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I I found this um, this movie very affecting, actually, and it it probably has a lot to do with nostalgia. I I don't think I've yeah. seen this since I was really young, and just going back there, and even just like Dom DeLuise' antics yeah. as the, as the clumsy crow, like yeah. just that voice and his facial expressions. Like I was like, wow, I I, I really have not seen this in you know, probably since it came out. Um, but yeah, I I had the same, same kind of logic questions. I'm like, wait a minute. So the rats are super smart, but the mice have like clothing and furniture and, and you know, other, I'm like, so the mice aren't stupid. So what makes the rats extra smart? And we, we never really see that. Um, so, I mean, I guess they use electricity, but besides that, it, it didn't seem like they were that much smarter. Um, but there was something really charming about the setting of just all of this happening on just one farm. Yeah. Um, especially like, you know, you see how big uh you know the the world is to the mice, and then you know, you zoom out and it's just like one basically <laughs> like a few a few acres of a farm. And uh there's like a great line when they when they go underground, they're like, Oh, we're actually almost just three feet underground yeah. right now. You know? <laughs> it's like it's like, oh my god, three feet. Um just it, i I thought like stuff like that, and then the, um, you know, the animation style and the, uh, what was the name of the, of the owl, the great owl? Yeah. Uh, um, like, that stuff was just like, like, I, lo- I love that sort of mystical, creepy element that we don't understand. I, I agree that, that, you know, magic, you know, doodad, whatever she had. Yeah. That was just completely unexplained. Yeah. And it was just like, yeah, here's, you know, here's the, uh. Um, you know, here's the little deus ex machina that yes. gets, yeah. us the, yeah. gets us out of the, gets us out of trouble. trouble. Um, I was like, okay, I guess, you know, you got to save the the child with, with love. Right. I yeah. Mean, that's yeah. really what it comes down to. Um, but there was just something about the, the kind of innocence of the mice mm-hmm. that really affected me. And, and I, and I enjoyed it quite a bit. And, and I also found this to be, Fairly violent for kids um there's yeah, there's, a lot there's of,
0: blood isn't there like... yeah
2: there's blood and yeah. there's murder, and
1: the kids and, almost die
2: and the kids almost die, and then like you know there's like oh, we have to drug the the cat, the cat. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just like this is you know kind of adult heavy themes, but which I like because I, I feel like you're trusting.
0: Yeah. How many kids went went and got addicted to drugs after watching this movie?
2: (laughs) No, I don't, I don't mean it that way. I just mean like, you know, I I think a lot of our, you know, especially our, our, our like early uh, fairy tales all had very serious themes. Right. So like, you know, little red riding hood was a warning against rape. Right. So, um, like, I feel like they, they weren't afraid to approach these very adult themes of like, you know, uh, you know, murder and violence and, and, you know, there is a, an evil drug company experimenting on rats and trying to kill them, mm-hmm. you know, like those, those are pretty heavy themes. And then it, but it's a children's movie. So like, I, I, I respect the directors for not toning it down and, and for, you know, letting the, letting, you know, children are exposed to lots of violence already. I mean, it, I didn't think it was by today's standards, anything, but, but I mean, I, I feel like at the time, 1982, that was probably pretty violent Mm. for kids.
0: Yeah. But so, so I I agree with everything you just said. I think just the the issue is basically what Andrea said is that this is a science fiction story and it should have stayed a science fiction story. Yeah. 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 Um, see Tom, did you show this one to your kids?
3: No, (laughs) no, I, I, I agree that it's probably a bit, a bit much, but it, but I mean, it's the, I read up on it a little bit, and the animators, uh, the creators, you know, Don Bluth included, kind of wanted to do an anti-Disney movie.
0: Mm-hmm. Apparently,
3: like, they were, they were Disney, Disney creators, but they wanted to do, they wanted to do something completely against the grain, and, uh, and so they made this. And, and no, I wouldn't, I don't think I, I don't think they'd enjoy it, or they might enjoy it, but I wouldn't want them to enjoy it. <laughs> uh, I, but, but I, but I do agree that there is something kind of lacking, what i agree with you matt that there is something kind of lacking from our fairy tales these days um like you said little red riding hood and then uh the three little pigs the three little pigs version i read to my kids the three little pigs version i grew up with was the one pig is really industrious and so he creates a brick house and the other one another one makes is less industrious and makes one out of sticks and the le- last one is lazy and makes it out of straw and then the first the last two pigs get eaten up and then the, the pig is like he's fine and he's like well too bad for my brothers and that was like that was basically a hey you know don't be lazy and the one that i read to my kids now is like well the hay house gets blown down and so does the stick house and they all go and hang out in the brick house and then they're all fine and i was like so this is a story of what nepotism i guess (laughs) is it like networking like no just like make sure you you know, make sure make you, sure you have right rich people. friends yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, and you'll and you'll be absolutely fine. So. Uh, so, yeah, I guess, no, I wouldn't show it to my kids.
0: Let me just explain the Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit of the history. So, yeah. So Don Bluth had been an animator at Disney and sort of got discouraged because he felt like they were you know cutting corners and didn't care anymore and stuff. And so he left and started his own company and took a bunch of other Disney animators with him. And this, I think, the Secret of Nim was Mm -hmm. the first um, feature that they did, and um, and it was, I think, it got a good critical reception, but they all went bankrupt. Um, (laughs) and then he went bankrupt like four more times. Oh Uh, God! You get the idea that making, uh, and then he became president.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he kept he kept reforming his uh, his company, right? Is he would go bankrupt, and then you know, and and then instead of like renaming it, it was like instead it was like the film company the don Bluth production company the, <laughs> yeah, yeah. the, the, the bluth brothers like, it was, just like just, it was like he just kept like adding an, another adjective or something yeah.
0: but yeah so so he made a lot of movies um and um the the one I, the other one i wanted to talk about was titan ae which is the last oh, one can he i did. just
1: point out one last thing about oh, yeah, yeah, sure. my yeah. cat who has never found much interest in the television Jumped up and started pawing at the screen for to see him. <laughs> I just want to say that never did that yeah. before
0: ever. Actually, my cat Oryx was definitely watching this when, <laughs> when the mice were kind of like scurrying across the logs yeah, and stuff like so that. Weird. She was just transfixed. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um. But yeah. So so Titan A.E. was Don Bluth's last movie that he made, which also resulted in bankruptcy. Jesus. Um. But it's um you know it's a very like star wars kind of thing yeah. so I, th- I i thought it would be good to talk about on on this and i'd never seen it i was just kind of curious to watch it yeah. um so how about um uh, matt what would you think of titan ae well <laughs>
2: um so you know for the first like 10 minutes or so i'm like oh you know this this could actually work it's a, it's you know got a got an interesting setup and and you know, I, I love the idea that you know he's a he's a human among aliens, and humans are kind of like you know the laughing stock of the galaxy because there's only a few left, and and oh, he could just be the savior of the human race. Um, but it, it's like it 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 pretty much jumped the shark for me like seventeen times. Um, <laughs> I you know I'm not sure if it was like the constant emo music that they threw in there. <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I love the animation style of it. Um, I, I thought that there were parts of it that were just really cool. Um, but it kept doing really stupid things with the plot that bothered me to the point where I just, I got frustrated. And I didn't like, you know, you, you know Dave, you were talking about heroes that are really annoying yes i i found this guy to be just yes insufferable Absolutely, yes like it was he was just whiny and Mm -hmm. complaining and you know arrogant and just self-righteous self-centered and it just it's not anybody that i want to follow for like two hours or whatever it was and and i think you know a lot of this comes from you know star wars right so the last hope that, that you know, episode four or whatever where like Luke at the beginning he's kinda whiny, like mm-hmm. like right? Just, but but then he like matures and grows up pretty quick. And I and I feel like a lot of people who don't quite get story think like, oh we gotta make him really whiny like Luke. <laughs> it's like yeah. but that that doesn't work long term. I mean it's, like there needs to be a character arc there. And yeah. I, and so like the some of the special effects I thought we were astounding. Like, I, I really liked the, um, when they're going through that, that, like, ice, yeah, ice, yeah. um, asteroid field. That was cool. And I, I like the actual Titan spaceship. Like, it's basically like this Svalbard seed vault of <laughs> humanity. And, like, that was a cool concept. So it had some cool ideas, but I, I, there were just some ridiculous parts of it, like, where he basically discovers he could, like, the super advanced alien species. The dredge, right? They're pure energy. For some reason, they just want to destroy humanity because plot. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> and then he gets captured by them. They decide to like – don't they let his girlfriend – like what's her name go for yeah. no reason? Jettison, like, they, her, jettison they jettison her. They jettison her, right? You know. Meanwhile, they want to kill humanity, but let's jettison her. <laughs> yeah. And then he like escapes from his prison by basically – Putting his two fingers together and then like walking out of the jail, and I'm like, these are super advanced alien species. But he all he needs is just put his two fingers together, and that'll that'll do now. Um, like at that point, I was like, oh
3: god, like yeah, they, they didn't they didn't think of that. They were like, oh, well, what? we're gonna have to rethink well, our I, security I, measures, I, I guess. Like I watched Secret,
2: any... yeah. Like I watched Secret of Nim. I think right after this, and you know where where the the mouse uh, Mrs. Uh, Withers. Where she she, um... Brisby escape Brisby sorry Miss Miss Brisby where she escapes her cage but it's like she's got to really struggle yeah. and and it takes it's like a it's like a full scene where she's like yeah you know trying to break her back to get out and I was like okay I'll accept that because it's like it was really difficult but like Tiny is like let me just put my two fingers and open this door <laughs> um I don't
0: know it, yeah it, well. Well, let me just explain about the animation style for people who haven't seen it. So it combines hand-drawn characters with a lot of computer-generated sets, basically. And the computer-generated sets are like 90s computer animation, so they don't like look that good by today's standards. Standards, and to my mind, don't match with the characters a lot of times. But they enable the camera to move around mm-hmm. in, in really interesting ways. And so like some of the shots, I agree with you, Matt, are, are, are really, really cool to watch. Um, I also really liked the part where they're on the, the, the ocean with the like hydrogen plants. Yeah. And they're zooming all around. I thought that was mm-hmm. super cool. But yeah, definitely the highlight was the, um, the reflective ice asteroids where yeah. it's sort of like a hall of mirrors kind of, um, cat and mouse hunt um but yeah so um so tom what do you think of titan A E? I I i i am embarrassed to say
3: i kind of liked it like i had seen <laughs> it i saw it when it came out on dvd or maybe it was even vhs i think it was dvd though it was like in 2004 or 2003 i can't remember but it, when not when it came out but when it came out on dvd i watched it and um and i remember being like oh this is fun you know this is it's a fun story and um, and then I watched, and I and I specifically remembered when I I went back and I watched Treasure Planet recently with my kids, mm-hmm, and I was yeah. waiting for the end line of Titan A.E. because I thought the whole like we're not calling it Bob, which I really I really liked. Like, I, and just to, for the listeners who haven't seen it, they're at the end of the at the end of the uh, movie, and I, I'll try not to spoil it, but they're like see this planet, and they're like, what are we gonna call? What are we gonna name it? And uh, he's like, well, I was thinking of Matt Damon says, I was thinking about calling it Bob. It's Matt Damon, right? And yeah. Barrymore. Yeah. So Matt Damon, which I thought their chemistry was kind of fun. Um, and I agree he was whiny and I didn't like that part of it. But and the story wasn't great. You're right. The, the security thing like, well, we don't have duct work, but look <laughs> what we do have. But uh, he, he's like, I was thinking of calling it Bob. And she's like, we're not calling it Bob. And they kiss while, while they're kind of like making fun of each other. I thought that was really clever. I I just, it just, uh, not clever, but it just stuck with me. I was like, that feels real to me. And, um, and I liked the characters in it. I thought the art, I thought the visuals were
0: good. Actually, let me jump in there because you were about to talk about Treasure Planet, which is like a bizarrely almost identical movie to this. I think it's, um, much better. Um, but it's like, it came out, I think like two years later or something. It was Disney, but it's, it's like really, Unsettling how similar the two movies are, but uh yeah, if you like Titan A.E. at all, you should watch Treasure Planet because it's it's basically a, a better done version of almost exactly the same thing.
3: Yeah, I did I did watch it, and I and I wonder if Disney was like, oh, that movie could have been really good if we had just done a couple of things different. But um, but I it was also character- it
0: was also like the biggest like one of the biggest financial disasters for Disney what? as well. Oh, so. Treasure
1: Planet or yeah, yes. I never Planet. I've never even heard of it.
0: So.
3: There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 Treasure Island, but they just do it as a ah. sci-fi in space.
0: Yeah, I actually I, I haven't seen it since I think college, but I uh I I, re- I really liked it when I saw it.
3: But I, I like the characters in this. I thought there were some really clever, inventive uh, ideas, like the uh, you know the kangaroo alien and and the other what was the other alien? I can't remember off the top of my head. What uh
1: the googly eyed one?
3: Yeah, was he like a praying manis or something like that? But um, but anyway, I thought the char- i thought the characters were kind of fun, and I didn't really bother- I didn't really worry too much about the story being kind of ridiculous because I had some fun with it, and I and I liked the voice actors in it. So, um, other than that, no, it's yeah. not a great movie or
0: anything, but I it thought ha- it was a whole lot of fun. It has an amazing cast. I couldn't—I mm-hmm. didn't know who was in it until I was watching the credits, and it's like, wait, I think I wrote it down, but it's like, yeah, like like even like the stupid cockroach cook who has two lines is yes, Jim Brewer. Jim Brewer. Like, um but the 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 script I, I just think is absolutely flat out terrible in this movie um, <laughs> which is you-
1: actually quite funny because the two screenwriters are John August and Joss Whedon yeah who are two what? Of, yes two of the most um well-known uh successful screenwriters at the moment and and have been for wow. like tw- 10 15 20 years yeah
0: well, this is from wow. Wikipedia. It said the script had been passed around to various writers such as Ben Edeland, Joss mm-hmm. Whedon, and Art Vitello. Uh, after $30 million had been spent in the film's <sighs> early development with no progress, what? Art Vitello was sacked. Um, and so basically, um, so there was this script that, that had been, you know, in development for years and um basically um don bluth productions they had made anastasia which did really well Mm. but then they didn't have another project lined up and so they're like we can basically like shut down the studio and fire everyone or we can make titan ae because this is the only script that we have to work with and And the
2: script yeah
0: and they didn't like it at all
2: the script definitely has like a committee written by committee feel um because like all right. I, d- I don't know if you guys have seen these articles lately where like AI is writing short stories <laughs> <laughs> and they're like some people like, oh, the the stories are really good. I'm like, well, yeah, like they're they're good if you if you just like like the plot by numbers, like, oh, well we got to have a space battle and we got to have a betrayal and we got to have, mm-hmm. you know, we got to have the MacGuffin. And like and this film has all of that, yep, right? Sure so it's like like right at the moment, like you're like, you know the guy that he trusted all along who brought him on board. Oh, I'm going to betray you. I'm secretly working for the aliens. Well, of <laughs> course you are because yeah. didn't, like, but didn't, by numbers, right? but
1: didn't you figure that out? Like five seconds into meeting that character. Like I, I was just like, ah, oh, this is the guy who's going to betray him. I, I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was so obvious,
0: but it was, it didn't make any sense though. Like at all. It didn't no, make, no, it sense make at any sense, all.
1: but no. there was, a, there was a lot of things that didn't make any sense in this movie.
0: But, but yeah, like the, but the whole story seems to have been constructed like, but, out of scenes from other movies out of scenes that have appeared in at least five other science fiction movies. It's like, if the scene hasn't appeared in at least five other movies, it's not making it into this one, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, it's basically Genesis at the end, right? Yes, so, it uh, is.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, I was, I was terrified that it was going to be like, and his name was Adam. And oh, God. Eve. <laughs> <laughs> right. God. Yeah. Oh, wait, here's the list. Here's the cast. Matt Damon, Bill Pullman, Drew Barrymore, Nathan Lane, Jim Brewer, Jeanine Garofalo, and John Leguizamo. Yeah. Like, I don't know how they got roped into being in this stupid well, movie. But... That's just
1: a rundown of all the famous actors in the 90s. Like, this thing was so 90s, even right down to the haircuts. <laughs> like, the main character had that shaggy uh, 90s haircut that all the, the teen beat uh, love interests have. Um yeah, I mean I just, I just wanna weigh in. I, I had never seen this before. I knew the movie existed, never seen it. Um, and I was kind of like into it at first. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Kind of Independence Day ish, although that's a terrible movie, but, but I was into it and especially with the, the the music. I thought it was interesting. And then it was just like the problem with a couple of the other movies and is that there's no layer it's one dimensional storytelling. There's no layers, there's no complications really. Um, you know, the, the dad's dead. There's no, you know, we're not discovering anything. Um, and that, you know, that's what the, the Titan is. It's a, makes a planet. Well, what, what, everything about yeah, it is it, just it, like, it what? didn't make any sense because no.
3: they, they use it at the end to, to beat the dredge. Yeah. But it's like, well, why didn't they just do that and save earth at the beginning? Yeah. They could have. They could have used – they had this super powerful ship that they escaped from Earth with just before Earth was destroyed and they have to go find it so they can defeat the dredge and then yeah. they do and it's like well, – Not what?
2: only do they have to find it but he puts the only way to find it on his son and doesn't tell him.
1: Yes. Well, there's a lot of things of like bad parenting going on in this movie is that he doesn't tell the kid to the last minute that he's leaving him. I was like, wow, that's that's shitty parenting. All right there. But.
0: but I'm I'm like so sick of the like, oh, I hate my dad. Yes. I'm so pissed at my dad because he just like left because he was trying to save the entire human race from yeah. extinction by aliens. It's like there's yeah. such a mismatch <laughs> yeah. between like right. what's actually happening in the story and like the character, how like yeah. self-centered and yeah. whiny the yeah. character is like, about it. Like would you yeah, consider that, your
3: dad a hero? Yeah, that really bothered me about this movie. And you're right. That is a trope that really always bothers me whenever it, it pops up a lot too. You're right. Where it's like, Oh my dad actually wasn't it in uh a- I just for the first time listened to um oh that big famous movie, A, a Wrinkle in Time. I <sighs> not the movie, but I I listened to the book on audio when Dr- in Dr- 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 angles. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought I had read it, but I had read some knockoff that I really liked when I was a kid, but I had never read it. And isn't that in there like they're like the main character is all upset because her father disappeared to go save like humanity? She's like
0: all angry at him. I, I don't that know sounds
1: that they, right. I haven't read it in a long time. But. I, I haven't either, but I, e, there's, a, it's a little more. De, it, it's got a little bit more layers to that story. Um, it does. That, it does. I, and I didn't mean
3: to start a whole tangent, but yeah, you're right. It's there's more to it. Yeah. But that that aspect of it bothered me when I heard it. I was like. No, you can't be upset. Your your father went to try to help everybody and yeah, yeah you lost him, but it's sad, but you can't be angry at it. Yeah. It
2: would have, it would have been more interesting if he like put on a show of being tough and and being like, "No, no, my dad's a hero, my dad's a hero," but like deep down he was still stewing about the fact that he left yeah. because he was a kid and he needed his father and like that would yes. have been a m- more complex, yeah. you know, character, but they this this movie just went right for the the surface level yeah. detail, right? Yeah.
1: Well, that's the the same, you know, there's no depth to the characters, there's no depth to the storytelling, it was just like, it's all text, there's no subtext, you know what I'm saying?
0: I also just want to point out that the main character in this is named Kale. Yes! And we also had a general Kale in Willow that we watched. Yes, and there has not been a single character named Curtly, Gerenzer or Kressel. Well, so, does that really seem fair to you, Andrew? I,
1: you know what, I'm just not gonna. I'm just gonna take the fifth on this one. Um, <laughs> Wait
0: a minute, there is just, there is the Kessel. There is the Kessel the, run. There,
1: <laughs> that, there you go. That's that's, that's and, stretching
2: it. It's <laughs> a missing letter.
1: Uh, I found it a little disturbing to hear my name constantly. Um, a little, but you know what? Uh, there's another thing I wanted to point out with this. Um, we were talking about Casey Kasem and the, the the very distinctive voice that makes it impossible to to divorce the the actor from the character, like because you just picture the actor. This is the same thing with Drew Barrymore. She has such a distinctive voice that every time the character talked, I was like, "It's just Drew Barrymore." I can't look at the character yeah. because it doesn't look like Drew Barrymore. So it was. It's. I think she was a. And and this is not a knock on Drew Barrymore. But I just think she it's it's hard to cast her as a voice actor in a in animation because it's she's her voice is so distinctive that I cannot lose myself in a character when she's voicing it. But
3: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, same with same with Matt Damon for me. Every time like Really? I, you said yeah. you 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 didn't know who was in it until you got to the end. The minute I heard his voice I was like Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Um, I also i mean andrea said this is so 90s but it also has some 80s with yeah. the A-Team montage uh toward the <laughs> end <laughs> where they're like they're gonna repair you know yeah. they're gonna repair the spaceship and they're all like getting together and it's like dun, 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 dun. <laughs> you can almost hear like dun, 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 dun.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so yeah so yeah, it know. was
3: kind of like the 18 they have to like they it's almost like they had to drug the kangaroo to get her on the ship Yeah.
0: Uh -uh. you ain't
3: getting me on an airplane.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So wait, so I I have some stuff about what Don Bluth is up to now, because um, I guess I'll just read this Uh, on October 26th, 2015 Bluth and Goldman, who was one of his partners at Don Bluth animation started a Kickstarter campaign in hopes of resurrecting hand drawn animation by creating an animated feature length film of dragon's lair. Um, so that's sort of, I guess that's kind of going. Yeah. So, so he also did, I don't know if you guys remember the Dragon's Lair um, arcade sure. game.
1: No, yeah. I don't. And Space Ace.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it's this, you, you would know it if you saw it. It's this knight in kind of chain mail with a sort of, I don't know, golden colored um tunic or something and a sort of steel cap. And you have to, and you, you have to like, um like push the joystick one way or another basically to to say which way he goes, or and you die if you do the wrong thing. It was <laughs> a
2: literal cartoon. It was a literal yeah, cartoon, yeah. and then apparently it was controlled by a laser disc, which was like yeah, high-tech yeah. in the 80s. <laughs> and you would basically use the joystick, and then if you went left, it would play one shot, and you went right, and you played another, and there was only one right answer. So if you went the wrong way, you died. <laughs> so it was mm-hmm. pretty much eight-year quarters, at least what I played.
3: But it yeah. was super fun. I, I absolutely yeah. loved it. Dirk the Daring. Dirk. Hmm.
0: Yeah, there was actually there was a Saturday morning cartoon version too that I I saw a couple episodes of. So it, you know it would be like here's the situation, you know w- do you think that Dirk should do this this or this? And then it would be like if he had done this, this is what happens and he dies. And so like if he had done this, this is what happens and he dies. And it's like so that's why he did this and he survives. And I thought it was really I thought it was you know in the days before, uh, you know, So really, choose your own adventure, before, which was huge Xbox. in the yeah yeah it's a
2: choose your own adventure yeah
0: yeah. yeah. Um. alright cool so uh, yeah we're running kind of short on time here, did so
1: anybody did all. anybody notice in that movie that the trade there was a trade ship that was called Soros I don't know I'm not saying there's anything oh, to no, I,
0: yeah
3: conspiracy yeah. theories <laughs> but you know just pointing
1: that
0: out I did not notice that yes and it was a
3: liberal ship it was a there were
1: liberals <laughs> alright
3: did you notice the planet was called Trump did anybody notice that <laughs> <laughs> uh, <Right. God. laughs> All
0: right. right. So, any uh, have we covered all these movies pretty well? Anyone have any any, anything occurred? Anyone about any of these movies that would they wanted to mention?
3: I noticed since you asked about my uh, showing Nim to my kids, and uh, since I showed many of these movies or some of these movies to my kids, I've noticed that at the beginning of every animated fantasy movie, it'll say something like uh, "warning," you know, or rated such and such for violence, uh, strong language, and fantasy. What? Because somehow yeah. they group fantasy in with strong language and violence. Like, well, the strong language and violence, I don't mind. But if it's got fantasy, my kid's not watching it. <laughs> it's, it's almost like they should add in, like, it's, it's like those labels that say, this food was processed in a facility that also processes peanuts, tree nuts, poison ivy, and yellow cake uranium. <laughs> It's like it's like they need to, it's like they need to add like strong strong language, violence, you know, scenes of bestiality. And by the way, there's there's magic in this. Be, beware
2: that yes. make believe, that corrupting influence of imagination. That will,
3: that will, yeah, that will ruin your kids.
0: Yeah. Actually, this is kind of a funny note here. So, so the book that um, the secret of Nim is based on is called uh, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. And so they changed the name from Frisbee to Brisbee because they didn't want to get sued by the Frisbee Corporation of America.
3: Oh, yeah. yeah I saw that, too. That's crazy.
1: I'm getting up to look at it because these are all the books I have. I've, um, I'm have i in my bedroom, and I have um, bookshelves in here. And all the books that are in my bedroom are all the books that I loved as a child. Like, all my favorite books are in these bookcases. So I'm looking at it, and, yes, you are absolutely right. It is, it is Mrs. Frisbee. Huh. Mm. interesting mm. you just pointed out something i never noticed
0: yeah that's why you listen to this podcast that is
1: why i listen to it i i don't actually listen to it i mean let's be honest
0: it's like the sword in the stone
2: it's completely educated. exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. um all right cool so why don't we wrap this up so how about everyone let's just go around and have everyone say how strongly do you recommend like which which if any of these movies would you recommend that people watch So, uh, Tom, which of these, which of any of these movies would you recommend people watch?
3: I don't know that I recommend that anybody watch any of them. I really, I think if you haven't already watched The Hobbit as a kid, you know, I don't know that you're going to get a lot out of it, but it's, it's worth going and looking at. If you're, if you're a diehard token fan, I would go for that one.
0: Alright. Uh, Matt.
3: Uh,
2: I think the secret of Nim is definitely worth a watch if you if you like animated uh, films. I, I love I still love The Hobbit. Um, I mean it's it's not a perfect film but it just perfectly captures, you know, that time of, of childhood when I watched it and I just I loved I love to revisit it. And I enjoyed the Lord of the Rings movie better oh, than the others. They animated one better than the others did. Um but yeah, if you if uh if you if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, uh it's it's interesting to watch, but uh none of these are required viewing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Andrea?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Matt, except for the Lord of the Rings movie. Don't go near that, um, unless you, <laughs> unless you have a problem sleeping. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, The Secret of Nim, which is, uh, I loved, uh, you know, and it has the flaws that I talked about, but it's still a beautiful, beautifully animated film, um, and beautifully voice acted. And The Hobbit is just, you know, that is just a staple of my childhood. And, and, and it, it is such it is such a better interpretation and adaptation of the hobbit than than the 55 hours the uh, the version that that um peter jackson made jackson. that i think it's yeah. it's worth a look at um right yeah you know, those are my, those are my two picks
0: yeah yeah i would i think everyone should watch the hobbit and i like i said i liked the sword in the stone a uh, little bit dull but it made me laugh so uh you know I'm going to I'm going to put in a good word for that. And Titan AE I would definitely not recommend, but unless you're like, you know, if if you're interested in animation or something cuz there's a lot visually that it does that I wish other
3: mm-hmm.
0: you know, other movies had kind of taken and run with. You know, it was sort of on to something visually, and unfortunately the script is just not good at all. But um, you know, with a better script, I think that visual style yeah. could could really be pretty amazing. Yeah. Um All right, cool. So uh, why don't we uh, wrap things up there? So we've been speaking with Andrea Kale, Tom Gorenzer, and Matthew Kressel. So thanks, everyone, so much for joining us. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Dave. And that was our panel. So big thanks again to Andrea Kale, Tom Gorenzer, and to Matthew Kressel for joining us on the show. And remember that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so that was our show. So thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you next time.